1: Items. One is something of a mystery. One is something that uh, might help you get in the way of the, get in the spirit of the holiday a bit. And one is just, excuse me, one is just interesting. The share of Americans who give time to soup kitchens, homeless shelters, and food pantries is declining. There is a problem with volunteering in America. Some 61 million people, or 23% of Americans, volunteered two years ago. That's according to the census data. That was the lowest share since tracking began a few decades ago. That's according to the Washington Post. Now, some of that might be a residual effect of people not wanting to interact with others coming out of the COVID pandemic, but I suspect not. I suspect this is a trend, and I suspect that it's the same thing that's led to a decline in uh, church attendance, in-person church attendance, and the same thing that's led to a decline in bowling leagues and rotary clubs and Kiwanis clubs. You know, my father and stepmother, they took my, uh, my son to a, a tree lighting that was done by—I don't remember if it was a, a rotary or some uh, group like that that was hosting a Christmas tree lighting— And now, my dad is a senior citizen, and my son is two, and my stepmother told me that other than my son, she and my father were the oldest, excuse me, the youngest people in the entire room. And then this whole group is, let's say, flirting with eternity. And I, I said, well, I'm glad you guys went because... Ultimately, when that generation is gone, there's going to be no young people to take the place of those seasoned citizens. And I think that is a similar concern when it comes to volunteering. Nonprofits of all sizes, nonprofits of all purposes are in dire need of volunteers, especially during the holiday and winter months. Shelters, mentoring programs, food pantries... They're shuddering due to this dwindling pool of volunteers. So levels of volunteering have not bounced back from the pandemic when the lockdowns kept everybody away. But this decline in volunteering predates COVID. As The Washington Post notes, the people most likely to give their time are married couples and parents with young children. But younger Americans are delaying getting married and starting families. And this drop in the number of volunteers comes amidst climbing demand. Inflation is driving up the cost of food. And the number of people showing up for meals at soup kitchens is going up. And, uh, I mean, one silver lining to this is although the number of people who formally volunteer is declining informal giving is on the rise. That includes helping with a neighbor with something, helping a neighbor with childcare, or running an errand for a sick friend. 51% of Americans said they informally gave time or money last year, which I think is a good thing. But uh, I do hope, you know, a lot of us we get caught in what I'll refer to for lack of a better description as the the Christmas rat race where trying to get the house decorated we're trying to still do our job. We're still trying to go to all the family functions that we need to go to around the holidays. We still try to go to all our workplace functions. Then if your spouse has a workplace function that they're invited to, you have to go to that as well. And it can see oh, and then we didn't even discuss gift giving. That's why for a lot of people, the holidays can be a very stressful time. It shouldn't be. Should be a joyous time. And I think this is something that um, a lot of people, especially if you're retired and you have a little bit more time than, say, somebody working 12, 14 hours a day, this is something that you can do that is really meaningful, that helps not just the individuals that you're helping, but it helps these organizations stay afloat, stay in business. So I think uh, if you're looking for something to do that will help you retain the spirit of the holiday season... Think about this. Think about volunteering somewhere at a soup kitchen or uh, any number of other places. There's all these groups that are in need of volunteers. Also, if you have a volunteering tradition, especially around the holiday season, I'd love to hear about it. 800-848-9222. My uh, father and stepmother that I just alluded to, they used to volunteer in a, uh, I think it was a soup kitchen, every Thanksgiving. And they would spend a lot of time there and they would work. Hard, you know, cooking the food, serving the food, and all that. But, you know what happened? That soup kitchen shut down. They don't, uh, you know, mean they could go to another soup kitchen, but this is one that was in their area. So I really think it's so important for people to do this. Find a cause that you're passionate about or something you enjoy doing, and think about volunteering. 800-848-9222. Speaking of food. Hey, by the way, Tony, do you know if uh, if spouses or significant others are invited to this Christmas party tonight? I didn't say it in the email, and I'm assuming it's not the case.
2: I didn't see that, so I, I doubt it.
1: Okay, all right. So yeah, I mean, I, I told my wife that uh, that that that's probably not the case, but whatever, whatever the case may be, it just occurred to me since we're talking about Christmas party. So speaking of food. One of the reasons that I could never really be a libertarian, even though my attitude with just about everything, is mind your own business. Don't don't bother people, right? I think people should be free to say whatever they want without going to prison. They should be free to worship whoever they want, vote for whomever they want, and just kind of not be bothered. Why I'm not for totally dismantling the government— is because I just ate a bag of white cheddar Skinny Pop popcorn. And I would like to open a bag of food or purchase a uh, food at the grocery store and have a reasonable expectation that that food is safe to eat. So that's why I rely on regulatory authorities to make sure this food is safe. And that's one of the reasons... Look, like when you're a father, you view a lot of these things differently. This story about lead contamination in cinnamon applesauce pouches is so troubling. If you haven't heard about this, it's, it's a troubling story, but it's just gotten potentially a bit more troubling. Lead contamination in—because this went on with with toys a few years ago. There were toys from China— that had lead in them and was making children sick. And I said to my friend, who he calls himself a good but I think he's more of a libertarian, I said, you see, this is why government should exist, to make sure that um, students and children are not playing with toys that have lead in them from China. You think that the Chinese are worried about safe toys? No. Uh, I mean, as much of a communist government they are, they're all for cutting corners when it comes to safety and environmental regulations. And he says, no, I don't see what you're talking about, because what people should do as consumers is research. And I said, wait a minute. Wait, you want people to sit there with a chemistry set and test the toys as they come off the assembly lines and determine whether or not that toy is safe? It's just not realistic. Well, no, they can read consumer reports, do other sorts of other things, find out if these toys are safe. Okay, that's one way to go, or we could have Regulatory authorities that determine whether or not this this toy these toys are safe, or In this case, this applesauce is safe. You know, when I give my son uh, something to eat, whether you know he likes um, he like he likes cottage cheese like I do, whether it's cottage cheese, whether it's yogurt, whether it's a chicken nugget, I would like him to not have to be at risk of consuming lead. So, this lead contamination in these cinnamon applesauce pouches has sickened dozens of young children, but blockbuster story a couple of days ago in politico where a a a really senior official with the fda the food and drug administration the entity that's supposed to be monitoring this stuff he said this fellow jim jones this might have been an intentional act the applesauce might have been intentionally poisoned so in this interview that was published On Thursday in Politico, Jim Jones, deputy commissioner for human foods as opposed to pet foods, said that the agency is investigating the lead-tainted applesauce pouches. Quote, but so far, all of the signals we're getting lead to an intentional act on the part of someone in the supply chain, and we're trying to sort of figure that out. I love that phraseology. We're trying to sort of figure that out. Oh, okay. Well, uh, no rush. No rush. You think somebody is putting lead in children's applesauce, or I guess not necessarily specifically children, in applesauce? Don't rush. Sort of figure it out. Whenever you get a chance, let us know. There have been at least 65 reports of illness linked to apple cinnamon fruit puree pouches sold under the Wanabana Weiss and Schnucks brands, that's according to the FBA. To date, all confirmed adverse effects have been in children under six years old. So the FDA has said it's conducting an on-site investigation at the Austro Food Facility located in Ecuador, and it's working with Ecuadorian authorities to gather information about Negasmart, the supplier of cinnamon to Austro Food. So want Banana USA and Astro Food previously released a statement identifying Negasmart as the supplier of cinnamon used in these pouches. So the FDA told CNN... It has no further comment on the investigation. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I find this pretty alarming that a deputy commissioner of the FDA is saying that this might have been intentional. It's crazy. Dr. Diane Colello, who's the executive, uh, who's executive and medical director of the New Jersey Poison Control Center, told CNN that contaminated spices are incredibly common. Some contamination occurs in natural products, including rice and apples, because they're grown in soil that contains metals. But then we do sometimes see intentionally contaminated products that are sold by weight. And the best way to make something heavy is to put metal in it. So that's why, this is Diane Colello speaking, that's why I think we frequently hear, maybe on the order of once or twice a month, about a product, for some reason, it's often turmeric, but a spice that's contaminated with lead. So um, they say this is one of the reasons it's important for regular lead screening for children at one or two, When we had that at our pediatrician's office, but because of the pandemic, some of these, rutu- these routines, like lead screening, might have fallen behind. Lead is toxic to humans, and there is no safe level. It can cause all sorts of problems in children, uh, headaches, stomach aches, vomiting, anemia, all sorts of things. And these pouches have been recalled and should not be consumed. The FDA warns that the products have a long shelf life. And families should check pouches they have at home to ensure they haven't been recalled. So Austro Food and Wanabana, USA, are in the process of establishing a program to reimburse some of those health care costs. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. We buy your poison apple juice, uh, applesauce. Uh, children get sick because of it, have to go to the hospital, you're going to reimburse us. Great. That's great. That's according to a statement. The companies are also working on a website to facilitate refunds for the recalled product. So be on the lookout for this. The three brands, again, of these uh, apple cinnamon fruit purees are Wanabana, Weiss, and uh, Schnucks. Schnucks. We could think of another word that rhymes with sh- with schnucks that might be more apropos. But I'm just blown away by this. I'm blown away by the fact that uh, these applesauce containers might have been intentionally poisoned. Tell me what you think. 800 848 9222. I mean, what kind of miserable person do you have to be in order to poison the food chain? 800 848 9222. All right. Uh, let me say hello to Joe in New Jersey. Hi, Joe.
3: Yes. Hi. There's one thing that uh, one theme that bothers me, uh, you know, vilifying the cell phone, the cell phone. I mean, you could use it to uh, listen to your favorite music or even the Frank Murano podcast and use the, uh, uh, the Strava app to uh, track yourself and, <clears throat> The other thing you can do, which is better than taking these uh, toxic drugs, is uh, have some celery sticks or carrots and then have a liquid, even even a diet soda, and you would feel satiated and you wouldn't want to eat, you know, eat. And that would help keep your weight down.
1: Well, Joe, I uh, agree with you on the first point about the, uh, the technology. I think we have to be very careful. I've been trying to be careful myself because – I was very scared by artificial intelligence and the uses for artificial intelligence and the possible negative impact of artificial intelligence on so many different areas of life. But then you look at the incredibly positive role that AI can play in uh, medical diagnostics and even something like space exploration, and you realize not all technology is created equal. I will say, though, that I think for children... I would err on the side of not giving them smartphones or tablets until they're a bit older because I I think and I see it with the neighbors that uh, live across the street from me. They have young sons and even when it's a nice day out, they stay on these tablets and these phones and going on and on. I'm also not going to join your endorsement of diet soda. While there are, are some diet sodas that are pretty healthy for you, Zevia comes to mind. Most diet sodas, including diet soda that I've drank uh, from time to time, like Tab or Fresca, is not good for you. They're loaded with all sorts of artificial sweeteners. They're loaded with all sorts of artificial coloring. Not Zevia. Zevia doesn't have that. But uh, they're just loaded with sodium and all sorts of other things. Now, is that better than a sugar-laden, you know, Coca-Cola drink? Maybe. Probably. But I don't think diet soda is a health food at all. In fact, even in terms of weight loss, there are a lot of studies that suggest that people that consume diet soda actually end up eating more calories because, and and again, I'm not a a scientist, but the way I understand it works is when we've been hardwired through thousands of years of evolution to... When we taste something sweet, our brain sends a message to our stomach and the rest of the body, hey, get ready, you're about to consume some calories. Because, you know, it made sense. If you were uh, going to uh, eat some fruit or something, which was sweet back in the caveman times, then you, th- that was a pretty calorie-dense food. The body should prepare to experience it. But if you consume something that's sweet... And you never get the calories that your brain is expecting to come with that. What then happens is that you go out and you actually become hungrier. And your body will search out those calories. So it's one of the reasons they say that uh, gum, even sugarless gum, is not good to have when you're hungry. It doesn't satiate your appetite. It makes you more hungry because you're getting the sweetness from the gum or the diet soda, as in your case... And you're not getting the food. So I'm not an advocate of of diet soda at all. I mean, look, if you do it once in a while, that's great. But, um, you know, if you're a daily Coke Zero person, as Matt Blaze is, you know, I don't know that that's that's great. All right, 800-848-9222. Got to mention this, and then we'll get to your calls. There's one open line if you want to jump on board. This is uh, an exclusive in the Daily Mail. I've just shared this on my Facebook page. But a man has spotted a UFO from his balcony in Chicago that resembles an alien face. And experts are baffled because UFOs are usually vaguely circular blobs or even shaped like a tic-tac. But um, and, and that's really been the case for a long time. But now this U.S. government, according to this Daily Mail article, can add another shape to its list, and it's like nothing we've ever seen before. A a photographer in Chicago has shared this stunning shot of a spooky object that was changing color while it was stationary in the night sky. So depending on the observer, it resembles a mask, an alien face, uh, an indigenous totem. Some people even said it looks like Rafiki, the the monkey from The Lion King. And experts are totally baffled as to what it might be, although um, a lot of folks just call the image beautiful and spectacular. So this remarkable shot, which, again, I've just linked to. You can see it for yourself, facebook.com slash fan. It was taken by Dietrich Ziegler, a photographer in Chicago, and shared uh, with the uh, Daily Mail. And Ziegler said... It was around evening, just as the sun dipped below the horizon. He noticed some colorful shimmering, and he took out his camera and shot it. The object's appearance is striking with a palette of purple, gold, and green. According to him, it seemed to be changing colors, but the shape remained the same, which looked like a mask. So after quickly heading indoors to examine the photos... He was unable to locate it in the night sky again. Mr. Ziegler said it seemed as stationary as a star to the naked eye, although slight differences in the photos he took suggested it might have been moving slightly. So um who knows? It's a, a very interesting, but it's quite a quite a different type of object than the kind we're used to seeing. Um could it be a hoax? Eh, maybe. Uh, could it be something naturally explained? Sure. I'm not saying it's aliens. It's just different than what we've seen previously. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Let me say hello to uh, Jimmy in Rockland. Hi, Jimmy.
4: Frank. Jimmy. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm wonderful. Thanks. You're a wonderful person. All right. Now, we were talking about different subjects tonight, so your um, screener, you know, always goes back and forth and what I should speak about or not. Right, but so what's on your good mind? Good nutrition. Good nutrition. How about this? Great. All right. Good nutrition is tantamount towards the achieving the longevity, you know what I mean, for the human species. I mean, my family was exposed to many good things when we grew up. We were not given soda. We were only given milk. Juice or water were your two things. You know what I mean? I was three things, sorry. Um, And there was no pizza. There was no McDonald's. And my message is to the women out there, the mothers, the the wonderful people that are going to give birth soon. Give love to your family and give them good food. And in that, it's just as simple as that can be, that your your kids, my, my brothers and me, are pretty wild. And we are walking straight through this world without disease. My wife, poor girl, had uh, cancer. We, you know, had multiple miscarriages. Mm. Not not, not an issue. But, I mean, my mother just fed us well. It was rice. It was a protein. It was broccoli. It was carrots. But you weren't given soda. You weren't brought up. And if these people can just listen to your radio show, which a public service message, that, hey, There's nothing better. Feed your kids well. And they will be given a better shot than a lot. Not that it's a competition. We want your kids healthier than my kids, God forbid. We want all our people healthy.
1: Absolutely, and that's the kind of thing that would be great to have a competition for. Who can be healthiest? That's well, a wonderful
4: competition. Thing. I'm sorry I say competition, but you know, just no. I know what you mean.
1: I know what you mean. You're not saying um, you know it's not a you know your kid being healthy doesn't mean my kid isn't healthy. I I I, compl- yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. So
4: we all should just do it. Yeah. How hard is it? You know, you know, just. It's so easy. And, like uh, you know, call mine. God bless him. I love what you're such a good man, and we love you. And like I say, sometimes, I, I don't know if you remember me, but we, we spoke before. And um, I'm a friend of, uh, you know, some people, you know, I won't say it. But um, I asked you one time, is there anything that Curtis says that upsets you? And he says, no, he put me in this job. And it's so great. You know what I mean? Like, you, of course he can't upset you. He He's your what do they call your rabbi you know what i mean so god bless absolutely so, and i love that hey, and I, I love i love carter he's the best yeah my no saw, you saw him i said i've listened to that idiot for a thousand hours right. last, jimmy, you know. thank you i gotta run
1: i want to get some other people an opportunity to uh comment uh those of you that are holding i'll get to you there's one open line that has been created by jimmy being no longer with us 800 848 22. this is the other side of midnight straight ahead
5: for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org.
0: It's the other side of midnight with Frank Marano. Marano.
5: first world war the bloody red baron was flying once more the allied command ignored all of its men and called on snoopy to do it again was the night before christmas 40 below when snoopy went up in search of his foe despite the red baron fiercely they fought with ice on his wings snoopy knew he was caught Christmas bells, those Christmas bells rang up from the land Asking peace of all the world and
1: goodwill to land. I love this song. I absolutely uh, love this song. It's from there the... Royal Guardsman and uh, I'm sure you've heard it it was a hit song but do you ever listen to the lyrics not the parts about Snoopy because obviously Snoopy is an iconic character almost on par with being uh, with Mickey Mouse is, in terms of being uh, ubiquitous but if you listen to the lyrics in uh, Snoopy versus the Red Baron or even the sequel to this song uh, the return of the Red Baron uh, this song is about the uh, Christmas truce during World War 1 and, um, I mean, it was an amazing thing. It's a novelty song. It's a little silly. But, I mean, the the events that it talks about are completely accurate. Well, I mean, not completely accurate, but there was a Christmas truce. During World War One. you would have these people that were at war with one another. The Germans and the British on the Western Front in 1914... And they would stop fighting, they would stop trying to kill each other, and they would exchange cheerful conversation, they would share uh, drinks, they would uh, maybe even play soccer. But imagine that. French and British troops taking a break from the war in order to celebrate Christmas. And I I think it says so much about, about people. And, uh, I mean, I think it also says a great deal about the um, the stupidity of war, to be honest. That you have 100,000 British and German troops that have so much in common that they just want to celebrate Christmas, get home to their families, and survive this war. They'll actually take a break from their hostilities. The Germans placed candles on their trenches and on Christmas trees, and then they continued the celebration by singing Christmas carols. The British responded by singing carols, you know, of their own, and they would shout Christmas greetings to each other. And then there were excursions across No man's Land where they would actually I'm not joking here just keep in mind, these are people literally trying to kill one another. A couple of weeks before, a couple of days before, they would exchange gifts. They would go across no man's land and exchange gifts. Not, you know, not, uh, I don't think they were shopping at Sears and Roebuck, but they would exchange gifts of food, tobacco, alcohol, and little souvenirs like buttons and hats. And uh, it was also, it was also a little bit of an opportunity to breathe where people that were killed, soldiers that were killed could be brought back behind their their lines by burial parties. And there were joint services in a lot of sectors. The truce lasted through Christmas night and it continued through New Year's Day in other in other areas. So I think it's incredible, an absolutely incredible incredible thing to see in the midst of World War I a war in which it was one of the deadliest conflicts in history that the people that are trying to kill each other could actually take a break and celebrate Christmas together. I mean, imagine that. The, the, the number of military and civilian casualties in World War I was around 40 million. 21 million. 20 million deaths, 21 million wounded. One of the bloodiest conflicts in the history of civilization. And yet, these men that are killing one another are able and willing to enthusiastically spend Christmas with one another. Can you imagine that in any conflict today? Can you imagine the Russians and the Ukrainians taking a break from trying to kill one another and celebrating Orthodox Christmas together? Or uh, the uh, Israelis and the Palestinians? It doesn't seem real. And this yet was not that long ago. It was just a little more than 100 years ago in our history. All right, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Pamela in New Jersey. Hi, Pamela. Hi. uh, I've heard for a while
0: that a lot of our apples, especially the ones used for ingredients, because apples are used a lot for to make a sugary taste in a lot of things, um, are coming from China. Uh, I bought organic apple juice uh, uh, about a couple weeks ago uh, from a very good, well-known brand, and I didn't see it in the store, but when I put it in the refrigerator, the light bulb shined on it a certain way. And there was a uh, black print in the creases of the plastic bottle, Ooh. and it said China and Turkey. So this organic apple juice, very well known American brand, at least uh, I guess it's not American. Nothing's American anymore. Well, tell us, anyway,
1: tell us what it is, in case people you know want to not buy this this kind of Chinese apple juice. Uh,
0: if you well, remember, I, I don't really want to say okay. it because All right. you know I don't want to hurt the company or anything because. You know, maybe they have an explanation for it, but it seemed like it came from China, and and uh, well, it you know, it, it had it stamped on it. So I brought it back to the store, hoping they would explain it to me. But of course, they don't know. But they did take it, and they gave me my money back with no questions asked. Well, now, I. I... Yeah, I thought that was interesting.
1: I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, look, I I am really concerned about a lot of what comes into the food supply from from China and, honestly, what comes into medicines. A lot of medicines are made in places like uh, China and, in some cases, India. And, uh, as I said earlier, I don't get the sense that uh, China takes great care to make sure that the food or the medicine that Americans are consuming is safe. Now, especially in the case of these applesauce puree, Raise. They're, they're all the 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 problematic element here is cinnamon and apparently the vast majority of the world's cinnamon is produced by four countries China Indonesia Vietnam and Sri Lanka just a few years ago right before the pandemic China produced 50 percent of of the world, cinnamon. Uh, Indonesia produced 28%. So do I ap- do I absolutely think it's possible that these manufacturers that are based in these companies could take some shortcuts to add to the weight of their cinnamon? I, I sure do. It's um, Yeah, it's an important reminder, Pamela, to uh, to check the label when you buy not just uh, apple juice or applesauce, but but anything. So uh, thanks for mentioning that, uh, Pamela. Merry Christmas if I don't talk to you. Same to you. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Two, two, three open lines if you want to comment. Joan is in Manhattan. Hi, Joan.
3: Oh, hi. You do this to me every time, Frank. I'm going to talk about something, and then you bring up something else, which is so much more interesting that I'm fighting with myself which thing I should talk about. All right,
1: about. well, we'll, we'll <laughs> let you make two comments. That's fine. Well, I don't have a time,
3: because the Christmas truth story is a wonderful story. I think a lot of people know it by now, but it kind of points out that quote that I love from General President Eisenhower, not the one that people quote all the time about the military-industrial complex, but the one that I love, he said, the people of the world want peace so much one day their leaders will have to get out of their way and give it to them and if, if that christmas truce proves anything it proves that's true and what happened you know how it happened they were singing christmas carols across the trenches somebody started singing christmas carols i don't know if it was the germans or the brits and the uk people and they had they had the same christmas carols, so they started singing together Ouch. gradually they climbed up out of their trenches I started playing football, and um, it turns out, by coincidence, one of the German soldiers had moved in the U.K. for a while, and one of the U.K. soldiers was one of his clients. He was a barber. So he's sitting in the middle there. He's cutting his hair for him. And, of course, what happened was when the generals got wind of this, they were furious, of course, and they separated them out. They took these troops, the U.K. American troops that had done this, and they split them up somewhere, you know, so they couldn't do such a thing again. And that was the end of the Christmas truce. But um, so my other point, you said I could make two. Um, The other one was a, a, a suggestion for a guest. I know you've had him before, and I would love to hear the take on Russia Ukraine from Vladimir Posner. Remember Vladimir Posner?
1: Yeah, I I actually I reached out to him um very, oh. very recently and um oh. he has not done any media uh since that oh. uh conflict began and I'll share with you the oh. uh the last uh email uh, that he sent to me which was back in oh. February. This is what he says, "Hi Mr. Uh-huh. Moreno. Um and this was on the anniversary I think of the uh, of the right. conflict. He says uh, right. uh today it it is today 1 year since I canceled my weekly show on Russia's national network channel 1 oh, and goodness. have not given a single interview and that's the way it's going to be for the time being best of vladimir oh. posner. So yeah he's made clear he's not interested in doing interviews not just with me but with everybody.
3: That's interesting he canceled his show uh that makes me even more intrigued to know what he thinks about all this sounds like he's not too crazy about what Russia is doing yeah
1: same here um, same here it'll be but yeah, yeah I, i'm gonna I'll keep trying, but you know I'm not going to force yeah. him if he doesn't want to come on then so be it Joan thanks for the call appreciate that eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two the um i want to thank the um the caller that called in the other day and suggested that in terms of this situation that we find ourselves in now where we have two cats where one has been living with us for years and the other cat has been, you know, a recent recruit to our home. The cat's original name was Ex-Best Friend. I still call him Ex-Best Friend. Carmine still calls him Ex-Best Friend. But um, my wife has renamed him Ed Best Friend, which doesn't really have the same ring to it. Well, anyway, this listener suggested to get these pheromones that might calm the cats down so we did install those a few days ago and uh, so far it has not worked uh, not worked great i mean prissy prissy is totally at fault here right um, you know you know assurance adjusters used to assign blame and accidents 60 40 70 30 you know prissy is 90% of the culprit here maybe 95% Uh, all ex-best friend is trying to do is go about his business and be friendly. He'd love to play with the cat. He'd love to um, play with other humans, rubs up against me, wants to be petted, as friendly as can be. And I really feel so bad for this cat that his new cat housemate is, you know, not, forget about not being friendly. She's overtly hostile. I'll turn around, I'll hear her hissing at him, or I'll hear, but, um, you know, it's gotten to the point where, At night, we're afraid of uh, Prissy going after him or something. So we keep ex-best friend locked in my office, not locked, but in my office with the door closed and his own litter box. And then Prissy has the run of the rest of the house, including the litter box that's in my wife's office. Now, as somebody that's not thrilled with the smell of a litter box in my office— I'm certainly hoping that these cats can do what the Germans and the British did during World War One and find a way to get along. But so far, it, the Catmist truce has so far proved elusive. So we'll see what happens. Uh, 800-848-9222, 800 848 Christian, you, what was your suggestion? When I was leaving yesterday, you had a, a thought in terms of how to— Kind of speed up the peacekeeping process here.
2: Well, Frank, um, I actually own two cats myself, and uh, when we adopted our, when I adopted my second cat, um, what I did to kind of get them to get along um, a, lo- a little easier was I I separated them into two rooms um, where both of them can sniff each other underneath the door for a couple days, and then that would help to kind of get them used to their sense. and in in my experience, it actually helped me a lot.
1: Um well, so let me ask you this. were both cats prior to that kind of socialization that you put forward, were both of them generally friendly, or was one of them kind of like Prissy is where she doesn't you know doesn't let people pet her or anything like that?
2: Well, my first cat uh, was a little aggressive towards the um the new cat. Um, the new cat was a baby. It was a kitten at that time. Um, so as the days went on, the their behavior was a little more calm, more, right. you know, they got along. So... I, I don't know if it was exactly you know the same as in your case, but I could say at least the the aggression that I experienced went went away.
1: Yeah, I, I will tell you, it's it's all Prissy, really. I mean, Prissy was she lived on the streets for the first few weeks, maybe months of her life, and unlike our other cat Bathsheba, who was at one time a, a street cat, Prissy never really adapted fully or to living in a house. I mean, she was friendly with our other cat Melchizedek. But the only human that she's ever really allowed to pet her is my wife. And she won't even allow Rachel to pet her when she stands up. She's so skittish that as soon as Rachel stands up, she runs away. Forget about it. If Carmine even walks in her general, uh, general direction, she runs away. If I walk into a room, unless she's uh, safely on the other side of the room, she runs away. Very, I think I've, I've gotten to pet her maybe two or three times in the course of, you know, Rachel and I living together. It's very, very rare. So I don't know what we're going to do. I'm hoping these pheromones do the trick. We'll see. I'll report back in due time. 800-848-9222. You know, we had a very nice lady um, who called in yesterday. I believe her name was, uh, was Dawn. And then she called back. And spoke with uh, Christian, and uh, she said, "Unfortunately, her dad passed away, and her dad was a big, big listener of this show." Now, it's always a uh, it's always sad whenever someone passes away, but and it's always sad when someone who is very loved passes away. It's really sometimes saddest for the family members and the friends of the person that died, but it is doubly sad. When that person is a listener to this show, if there's one group of people that I want to have pristine health and live for a thousand years, it is the people that listen to this program. All right, 800 848 9222. We'll continue with your calls in a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead.
0: The Other Side of Midnight. Other side at midnight with Frank Morano.
5: So this is Christmas, and what have you done? Another year over, and you won't just be gone, and so this is.
1: Until the top of the hour, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. A lot of interesting new information that keeps coming out about this Jeffrey Epstein case. You know, the more we learn about this Jeffrey Epstein case, the weirder it seems. I mean, uh, I I guess it's not unusual for someone that has his kind of money to have access to the kinds of people that he had access to. But it, it appears that even after the guy took his plea agreement in 2008, for becoming a convicted sex offender, he still continued to find victims. And he would lure hanging out with celebrities and respected people and academics and uh, titans of Wall Street. He would lure these young women, in some cases girls, teenage girls, to his lair to have sex with him. Well, now... A federal judge in New York has ordered the unsealing of dozens of documents, and this just happened yesterday, naming people linked to Jeffrey Epstein, who is obviously, he's no longer alive, but he was a big financier, was friendly at one point with Donald Trump, Al Gore, Bill Clinton, Alan Dershowitz, the uh, Prince of England. So these documents are expected to identify more than 180 people, including associates, victims, investigators and journalists who cover the case. Some of the names are going to remain under seal, including those belonging to minor victims who never spoke publicly about the case and a person who the judge said was wrongly identified as an alleged perpetrator by a reporter, at least one person asked the court not to release her name, arguing that it could put her at risk of physical harm. But sure enough, uh, U.S. District Judge Loretta Preska outlined the reasoning reasoning in a 51-page order. And this comes as part of a uh, lawsuit between former Epstein accuser Virginia Giuffre and his former lover and accomplice, Jelaine Maxwell. The case was settled back in 2017. But the judge indicated in hearings just last year that the names would not remain sealed indefinitely. So Jufrey has alleged that Epstein and Maxwell trafficked her when she was 17 years old. She's now in her 30s. Some of the names have been withheld in some documents but belong to people who've either spoken publicly about their connection to Epstein and uh, have already been identified in other court documents or were identified in Maxwell's trial. But it's going to be interesting to see what names come out now you are going to be very, very interesting. 800-848-9222. Danielle is in Brooklyn. Hello, Danielle.
6: Hey, Frank. How Hi. are you, then
1: doing, doing just um, so fine.
6: With, with the cats, you said you had Prissy for
1: a while? Yeah, I mean, my, uh, my wife had Prissy before I knew her. And uh, since okay. we moved in together, I think around 2017, in two separate residences, um, Prissy has lived with us, yes.
3: So she's, so she's,
6: so she's like almost a senior cat. She's over like five, six, seven years old. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. She's, I think okay, I want to say so, she's and, seven or eight. Yeah.
6: Okay. And then this new cat, uh, ex best friend, that's a cat that you just like adopted, like just took in. Like, right. Easily, yeah. Right? She
1: was living with my, okay. uh, my in-laws. Yeah.
6: Okay. So Prissy doesn't know her. And as far as Prissy's concerned, that's her domain. That's her house. So she's like, who is this person? Like, who is this cat? Like, sure. this is my house. I like, get out. So she's probably being very territorial and females tend to be more territorial than males. For some reason, I, I noticed my, my, my girl cat would always like hiss at the, um, hiss at the stray cats outside. And my, 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 my boy cat, my, my two cats that I passed away, uh, uh, last year, I, yeah. I had them almost 20 years Oof. and they would like, she would be very territorial. He would be like, Oh, who are you? Like, what are you doing? So like girls can, Females could be more territorial, and she's probably just like, "Who, like, get out." So I, I overheard the other caller saying how to like, um, get them together, like have them in two separate rooms, like with the door, like that's like perfect. But what you do is you take your like you pet one and like get like a bunch of hair, like so you get the scent, and then pet the other one, and you just like or take a towel and like rub them. So like, mm. and you put the towel in in the room, so then they can get used to each other's scent because then otherwise they're just she, Prissy's not going to have it. She has to get acquainted. She needs to get. To, she has to get to know somebody before she lets her in. Lets them in Well, her that's house.
1: interesting. I uh, I hadn't thought about that petting method. Maybe Rachel because Prissy doesn't let, even let me pet her, but uh, maybe yeah. a, uh, maybe Rachel can uh, pet ex best friend and then try to pet uh, Prissy with that same hand. That's a great idea, and that's or, one that we hadn't tried. Yeah, or
6: with, with the towel, you could like put a towel or a blanket, put a little catnip on it, so she like can definitely like. You know, lay on it and like so they both can get their sense, and then, you know, you then you put the, ta- the each other's towel into their of their room so they can so they can get each other's sense that way, you know, if you can't like pet pretty.
1: Yeah, that's uh, I like <laughs> that because I will tell you that, um, Chrissy is not having it at all. I mean, she, she <laughs> over the last week or two, she started urinating on the throw rug in, oh, in our bedroom. No. Uh, so. She's being spiteful. Yeah. Well, no, we had to throw spiteful. away this she's nice mad. throw rug. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. She's yeah. absolutely not happy. So hopefully I will try your methodology and hopefully what that other caller suggested about the pheromones will, uh, will work as well. But, uh, otherwise, you know, we'll, we'll have to figure something else out. Danielle. Thank you. I appreciate that 800-848-9222 that's 800-848-9222 i wanted to comment on u.s steel but uh let me you guys are kind enough to hold let me try and get to as many views we can here tom is uh, listening on wcbm in maryland hello
5: tom Yes. Uh, addressing your first point, that is, uh, there's a the lack of wisdom in taking off all of government regulations. In the very early days of the Reagan administration, and this was violently pushed back again, so it was immediately reversed. But he basically suspended the FDA, and some of the large grocery chains reintroduced the concept of the pickle barrel, pickle barrel, cheese barrels, crackle barrels. And uh, for for people who don't remember the 1890s, uh, you could go in, you could now go in the early 80s, you could go into a grocery store, there would be a huge barrel of pickles just swimming around in pickle juice, and you would just dip your hand and arm into the barrel, scoop up your bounty, bag them, and take them to the checkout counter. (laughs) Of course, back then... Most women did the shopping, and there was a big ooh factor, you know, Yeah, Tom,
1: what could go wrong? Well, I'm certainly not for that. I'm glad those regulations exist, and that's why I'm not a libertarian. Help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.